Welcome to Wild Tater, the food forest podcast. Today we're going to talk about a plant that is not really, doesn't really shine as an edible, though it is edible, but it is a remarkable plant for other purposes. And that is white clover or white Dutch clover, sometimes called purple Dutch clover because it does have a little bit of purple in the flower, also called shamrock, white clover, The uh, botanical name is Trifolium repens, which, if you know Latin, which most of us don't, uh, basically means three-leaf creeping thing, you know, something that creeps along the the ground. And uh, that is because it is a ground cover, which of itself wouldn't be all that remarkable except for the fact that it is a nitrogen fixer. In fact, all clovers are nitrogen fixers. They are in the bean family, Fabaceae, and uh, the reason this nitrogen fixation is so important is because what that means is that uh, the nitrogen in the air, um, just drifting around us that we breathe and so forth, uh, tends to remain in the air. But uh, plants need nitrogen in the soil in order to survive, and there is trace levels of nitrogen in just about any soil, but having more of it in the soil can enhance growth. And if you look at the ingredients of most fertilizers, they contain a percentage of nitrogen. Often you'll have 333, which is, you know, will be like potassium, whatever else. And nitrogen is almost always one of those three. When you uh, fertilize grass, for example, it's almost always mostly nitrogen because they're just very nitrogen-thirsty plants. Well, uh, getting nitrogen in the soil, there's a few ways to do that. One is to cover the ground with nitrogen-full plants, such as clover, so forth. Uh, Another is to put down um, certain types of manures, Um, other kinds of natural fertilizers as well. Um, But the problem with all of these is they have to be applied. And they have to be applied regularly because they break down very quickly. And uh, what you get with a nitrogen fixer, and fix means to, to, you know, put it into the soil in the case of plants, what it's doing is these particular plants, um, including most plants in the bean family, a couple other families as well, but mostly the bean family, what they do is they take nitrogen out of the air. They take it out of the air, and then they put it and store it. They bring it in and store it in little root nodules. If you ever look up, uh, if you were to just Google nitrogen root nodule, uh, what you'll see is these roots that have these funny little balls, like little growths or attachment on them. And what these are, are nitrogen nodules. They are storing them. And uh, since they are in the roots, they are down there in the soil, made available to any other plants that happen to be around. It's really like having a little hit of fertilizer. So if you imagine these uh, little clover plants. They're going to have very small nitrogen nodules, but it doesn't take much to really boost a plant. There's, say you have these, these 
clovers mixed in with, say, corn or something. Okay, you've just got clover surrounding the corn. Uh, what you'll get is the little root nodules forming on the roots, and the corn will benefit from those nitrogen nodules. It really is a natural fertilizer that is built into the system rather than having to be applied all the time. And clovers, because they are perennial, they'll be back every year. Now, they are short-lived perennials, but they're also perennials that um, tend to you know, root out from old plants or grow from seed. Basically, they're really good at populating um, when you may have just a few plants to start. It will thicken over time and become a lot of plants. And that is because of their own ability to propagate themselves, which is one of the reasons they're just considered perennial, because they will keep coming back. Because while one individual plant may die after three years, maybe, um, other plants, other clover plants will take their place. And so you've got this constant ground cover. And it will continue to provide those nitrogen nodules, the, the little fertilizer nodules, to any plants that are growing up around them. And that is why white clover, or any clover really, but white clover is a perennial one that is um, quite cold-hardy and so forth. So some of our colder climates, they will continue to live just fine. But that's why it's... Uh, considered a must-have in my own system, for example. I, I just want clover everywhere. I would love to have just every square inch start with clover, just have this clover lawn to start with and then, and then work from there to get trees and other things in, um, if I could, if I had the money for that much seed or, you know, uh, had the ability to do that, I, that's what I would do simply because it would just jumpstart anything I plant, anything. And because it's a ground cover, it will also provide biomass, it will provide shade, it will not drown out your other plants that are trying to grow tall, um, because they don't get that big. They only get three to six inches tall. And there are actually micro clovers, mini clovers, that you can get that are even smaller if you're looking for something smaller. Say you want it intermingled with your strawberries and you don't want your strawberries overshadowed at all, you just get some mini clover and they'll stay smaller than your strawberries. Okay, let's go into some of the details. White Dutch clover is cold hardy to zones 3 and going up to zone 10. So there's a good wide range of zones that it will grow in. Now if you're in a higher zone than this, there are plenty of clovers that will take warmer temperatures. But this is especially nice for the cold climates because it does so well in cold climate. The soil pH preference is between 6.0 and 7.0, so a very neutral kind of a soil. The watering needs are moderate. That's one thing with clover is they won't take too many droughts. They don't want to completely dry out for long periods of time. They'll take a little bit here and there. I've seen them kind of go dormant, sometimes in in really intense sunlight, they will be more um, shrubby, you know, and by shrubby, I mean tiny little bunches of, 
of clover and so forth rather than kind of the stringy you know uh, leggy kind of uh, clovers that you'll sometimes see in shady gardens and you know that's not a problem that's okay if they're like that it's just a difference that you'll find in them their uh, harvest season because they also are a food which we'll talk about is spring really the earlier the better basically as soon as you see it is the best time to eat it, eat it or as soon as it's grown a few leaves then that is the best time to be eating it also its blooming season is from spring into summer um, it will be a little bit later obviously than than when the first leaves come up and we'll talk more about you know eating those but uh also, the uh, sun needs, they do need about four to six hours of sun per day. Otherwise, they can tolerate shade. So even if they're in a shady alley, as long as they get you know, four to six hours of sun per day, they'll do just fine. Um, if they have less than that, they will get that a little too leggy. Eventually, they may even die off. They do like sun, but dappled sun is usually just fine for them. They're small and they know it, so they know they're not always going to be at the top of the, you know, sun view. But uh, as long as they get a bit of sun, they'll do just fine. Their preferred habit, if they could have their druthers, would be a well-watered open field of grass, clover, and dandelion. Or any such biodiverse ground cover field. Now you may recognize, if you have grown up or, or have your own lawn um, that was not meticulously weeded and meticulously cared for on a daily basis. The familiar grass, clover, and dandelion combination. Believe it or not, that is a very healthy ecosystem right there. If you have those three, they will be happy. They will look after each other. They're content to even be mowed, they don't mind, they'll do just fine either way. Which is one of the reasons too, if I was mandated um, to grow a lawn, I would probably do garlic and clover. Garlic because it looks like grass, and clover because it can be raised as lawn. And, uh, and has similar seasons and so forth. And and it just gets along with it so well. Anyway, so um, while you can grow it anywhere, I mean, there's lot, lots of different pl ways to grow it or lots of different places to grow it, its favorite would probably be an open grass and dandelion field would be its preference. Um, I think I mentioned it's in the bean family, Fabaceae. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the nitrogen-fixing aspects of this plant. Now let's talk about the edibility of it, which is fun because, I mean, who doesn't have some clover growing around somewhere? And uh, here's the thing, you can eat clover. In fact, every part of the clover is edible. I do recommend that you get it early in the season, not later in the season. The older they are, the more really deep green flavor they get. I don't know how else to describe that. A kind of that really deep grassy flavor 
um, sets in later on. Early in the year, they taste kind of like a cross between a light spinach and a green bean, really. Just a kind of a subtle... If you've ever had, for example, alfalfa sprouts, alfalfa is actually a type of clover, and it has a very similar flavor. It's It can be a little bit more deep green than the clover gets, which, you know, that that kind of wheatgrass deep green flavor, which I don't particularly find very pleasant, but I can put up with it in small quantities or, you know, to a light degree, which is why I prefer my clover to be eaten early in the spring. It doesn't have so much of that. Now, as for the flowers, they can also be eaten raw or cooked, and, and both the leaves and the flower can be eaten raw or cooked. Um, some do enjoy uh, drying the flowers and the seed pods, grinding them to powder, and then using them as a, a flour for cooking rice. So they will, you know, mix that into what they're doing. You could also do that, you know, the drying and, and you know, powdering to just kind of give a nutritional enhancement to whatever you're eating. They're, they're very nutritious, very uh, nutrient-dense even. Sometimes the flower heads um, have been used for making tea or a tea substitute. Um, they're said to have a little bit, or, or at least add, a subtle vanilla-like flavor to teas and so forth. Now, I've mentioned that they are very similar to alfalfa, even very closely related. Um, what some of you may be thinking is, you can eat alfalfa? Which, you know, it seems uncommon, but you may be more familiar with eating alfalfa sprouts, which is the freshly sprouted seeds. And if you go to any big expensive uh, a salad bar, you'll usually find sprigs of fresh alfalfa. Now these would be new growth. These are not stuff that's been sitting in the sun for a month. This is stuff that has just barely grown. It's probably less than a week out of, you know, grown out from where it is, um, growing from the branch or whatever that it's growing from. It's, it's brand new branch and at that green stage they make a really nice addition to salads, to um, soups, if you're cooking, to sandwiches, things like that. Um, but again, alfalfa sprouts are a very delicious way of eating alfalfa, and you can do the same with clover. You can grow clover sprouts. In fact, if you look in grocery stores now, they will often have clover sprouts. But anyway, the uh, clover has many great uses in food. And one of the things that I like about harvesting clover is that you don't have to cut up the leaves. They're already small enough to either go straight into a salad or to be eaten directly or to just be tossed into a soup or whatever. And they will add that nutritional boost, as I mentioned. Um, but they're very easy to harvest, easy to eat, easy to manage. Um, they're just an all-around great uh, harvestable food that is overlooked on in just about every way. And if, for example, you're gathering your garden lettuce and, and spinach and so forth for a salad, and you've just got 
clover interdis interspersed with all the other stuff, then as you're picking those or cutting off those lettuce leaves and, and so forth, you could just pop a few clover leaves in there as well. Just snap them out and throw them in and they will make a great addition to the salad. And if you're like me and don't eat clover all that often, um, it's still worth having in the garden because of its, its you know, nitrogen fixing uh, function. And so I highly recommend getting clover. Gratefully too, if you go online to a website like Outside Pride, that's probably my favorite place to get clover because you can get all different varieties and so forth. But the white Dutch clover is the most cold hardy and just, and you can get it by, you know, two pound bag for like $15 or something, which will cover, you know, an entire acre of land. Uh, if I didn't mention this, uh, white Dutch clover is commonly used as a cover crop simply because it does such a good job keeping the soil fertile between seasons. And in a food forest, we have a perpetual, uh, we need to have perpetual cover crop. And we want to do it with crops that we want to have accessible to us for eating, for use, and so forth. So just filling your forest with clover everywhere, if you have the uh, means to do so, whether it be shady or sunny or whatever, just put it there. If it doesn't come up, well, that's okay. Um, it, in, in those particularly shady spots and whatever, my guess is that it will, and it will probably actually do just fine. Uh, that's been my experience personally. And where it doesn't come up, well, you only lost 50 cents or something worth of seeds in that area. But uh, anyway, get some clover, spread it around everywhere because it's amazing, and then try it in, in uh, different foods. And I will post some recipes on our Pinterest board. Uh, you can get to that by going to our website, wildtater.com and then clicking on Food Forest Recipes. And again, thank you guys for listening.